say anything. <laughs> We're just going to be random. Me and I'm going to have to actually edit this part. being hosted. Thank you, Lillaberry, for the host. Let me just hop into her stream and tell her to unmute. Shit, come on. There we go. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Testing, testing. You're very quiet, but I can just about hear you. Lando's very Hello. Quiet. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. You're very quiet. Go and go put your headphones in. I always find a way to turn this up so I can actually hear the questions. This is why it's best to be on PC when you do this, because then you can actually um, turn the volume it's up. Like a it's like a phone call, but without the speaker turned on. I'm trying to work out why. Hmm. Have you actually put the um, speaker button on? Hello, Swissar. How are you, darling? Okay, so... Um, we even did a mic test earlier, funny enough. Ooh. I can hear everyone now. <laughs> Greetings from the UK to Switzerland. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let's let's get this started. Yes. <laughs> Hi, this is Fish Crew Podcast with your hosts Lee and Lisa, and today with us on our show is Ben Marshall. Hi. Hello. Um, so let's get started with, um, what's your story? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, it is. Well, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> there's, not much, <laughs> there's not too much to tell um, about, about me. Uh, why I delve into the world of fantasy so very often. Um, I, I've worked as pretty much everything from a door-to-door double glazing salesman, which I very sensibly decided to do in the middle of winter, uh, when no one wants to spend money, um, to, and then worked in my local supermarket, done the checkouts, security, uh, news and magazines, and now I'm in a pharmacy for the past seven years trying to decipher doctor's handwriting as though it's the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very interesting, doctor's handwriting. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, what's the one thing people seem to misunderstand about you? Um, 
I'm not entirely sure. Um, everyone sort of has their own perceptions. So most, like most people, tend to just sim simply think, "Oh, all I do is work," which is it fi what it feels like. Um, um, a lot of people, because I'm quite quiet, um, tend to think that I'm very passive and submissive, and it's more. If I work where there's a lot of loud people, there's no point in trying to get a word in edgeway. So you just sort of give up and just get on with what, with everything else because there's no point in wasting your time. There we go. There we go. Got it. I'm up. Uh -huh. I'm up. I can. I, I feel hey. that. Okay. So, um, so what makes you feel inspired, or when you're at your best self, then? Jeez. Yes, you've started with the hard questions because I'm not used to talking about myself so much. Um, not sure. Usually, um, like ideas tend to come usually at the, as most creative people will know, uh, the ideas tend to come at the worst possible time. Um, yeah. So, the time like, like if you're when you're not able to write, take notes or. Um, if you have an idea for artwork at a time when you're nowhere near anything to actually get your uh, a sketch done yeah um, personally <laughs> i'm at my best sort of dealing with things as and when they happen uh, sort of just going with what what needs to be done then and there so yeah. particularly at work like you can plan as much as you want for how the day's going to go mm -hmm. but nothing is ever going to go according to plan you will always have the sudden influx of patients uh, when you haven't got the staff to adequately deal with it. So you're having to sort of prioritise, get on with it, and it, just get it done. Uh, and in terms of the writing, I tend to get have the as I have the have the ideas when not able to full advantage of them, and then it's a case of planning right as soon as I get into a position where I can take notes or and notes or start jotting it down, blitz it, and get as much done as I can in that short space of time. Right. So uh, it's a bit hap ha haphazard. Um but yeah, trying to squeeze things in it does tend to get a bit that way. Okay. Welcome um Lando. Glad to see you can join us. <laughs> I think we've lost Lando again. Okay, well, we'll we'll proceed. Um, what's the most important thing you've learnt in your life, and how did it feel after learning that? I think pers personally, um, I had to learn fairly early on to play things quite close to the chest. Cutting out some for yes. Can you hear me? Yes, we're Hello. live, Lando. <laughs> so, speaking for planning for the unexpected. Um, Please carry yeah, on. I, I learned, uh, I think one of the most important things that I learned was that you can't rely on any, any other people permanently. You have to 
be able to sort of have have what you need to rely on yourself and then if someone comes along that you can trust and that you can let in um to to then go for it but you have so i often go i'm quite a i don't want to say pessimistic but more uh, as most anyone that's quiet or likes fantasy when they're growing up um, will know you can't really share too much much of yourself with the people that you're with at school or school or then when you're just leaving school and going into work because they are generally see, seeing what you like as being stupid or childish or um, obviously it's, it's changed a lot now that Marvel have become so popular and mainstream but as anyone that sort of grew up just reading the comics will know you couldn't really share that interest with anyone mm-hmm. that what wasn't also into it it wasn't something that was acceptable yeah so you have to play everything sort of close to your chest not reveal that you like these things because it just opens yourself up yeah so basically don't be a nerd uh, yeah. yeah don't be a nerd Basically. like 20 years ago <laughs> don't be smart don't be smart don't smart or at least not too smart mm. smart you have to be just smart enough that the teachers don't give up on you but not so smart that people that that are just not going to take anything seriously will mm. then hate you for it all right um what is the best compliment you have ever received um that one was actually from at work. At work, um, it's quite a good story. Uh, daughter and um, father came in needing something for bruises for her hands because it turned out that they'd been doing sword fighting with rather heavy sticks mm. um, in the back garden because she was a massive Star Wars nerd, and her parry was not up to task so she ended up taking a hefty whack across the back of her hand mm. so gave like the cream to help to draw the bruising out and um, ease the pain and everything and then the next time that she came in with her mum she put mum while i was serving someone and i had a queue about five other people as she walked past her mum she pointed at me and shouted out that's the man who fixed my hand <laughs> Oh, wow, that's a lovely story. It's like, I, I gave you some cream. Cream. She makes it sound as, sound as though I grafted a brand new hand on, stitched it, where it had fallen off. And... It's just amazing how kids react to um, a little bit of healing as, as, as well as something as simple as a, a bit of cream. <laughs> another one, another one um, from a few years before that, I was flying out to America on Christmas Eve. Um, and Christmas Eve was actually my last shift as well, so it was a case of I was having to work, finish work, vomit home, grab my suitcases and everything, and then catch the train over to the airport. And a woman came in with her two young kids, and I never knew there was a kid's show called Ben Holly about elves. So I, because it was Christmas, I was forced into wearing the elf ears, and the, the Christmas hats with the bell on it. Um, so they saw my name and they're like, he's an elf like Ben, Ben from Ben and Holly. And I was like, yeah, and this is, and this is my last shift. And then I've got to go and help Santa with the sleigh. 
twin. He's a real elf. Uh, kids are just so incorrigible and they, they just have the best imagination possible. <laughs> yeah, but they don't get sarcasm. Set them off into worlds of imagination. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's let's get to know you as a writer. First of all, Ben Marshall here is a really good friend of mine, if anyone didn't know. He's an independent author. Um, he's already got two books published that are available on Amazon. Um, but we're going to get to know him. So what inspired you to start writing? Just one minute, please. Your sound's kind of gone very, very low, like you've cut out. Mm -hmm. I think I may have suppression, so if it is someone else, it starts to unmute it. Ah. Uh. No, I don't. Okay, so what, what inspired you to write? I, I was watching, um, I think it was Where Eagles Dare. A, a war, an old war movie with Clint Eastwood and uh, Richard Burton in it, and it says in as it's loading up the titles based upon the book by, and I was like, God, that would be absolutely amazing if that had my name, if I could have something and it had my name come up like that. Mm. Um, and then it was any sort of thing that I was into, where I could take it a step further um, and try and write it something I did. Mm -hmm. So. I played Worms 2 as a kid and then started doing a... Can you imagine if this was actually real and if Worms were having to actually do this? <laughs> so, I, so I wrote this really jokey short story about Worms versus Snails. Oh, God. <laughs> That'd be interesting to read. Uh, You've gone quiet again, Ben. Sorry about this audience. Ben, you've gone quiet again. I don't know quite why. Have you got your mobile phone set to receive any sort of messages? Yes. Put it on Don't Disturb. It might stop the um, influx of sound. <laughs> there we are. See if that works. Because if you get <laughs> notifications, that will affect your call quality. Hmm. Oh, hopefully that. Hopefully it will be a bit better now then. Okay. Sorry about that, audience, and sorry to you too, Ben. Please carry on. You said you wrote a short story about worms versus snails based on the game Worms. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, so, yeah, so I had to, like little black and red notebooks used to do notes um, and scribbles in them for little ideas and stuff for it. Um, it was just like something fun to run past the time. And then 
anything that sort of took my fancy um i'd do fancy if i could think of something that would be an interesting idea i'd sort of run with it and see how far it would go um and that kind of how my current series came about as well because i was playing um one of the total war games set in the medieval period and it sets a campaign up where you have each of the factions have to do things but then towards the end of it um the russians suddenly appear from out of nowhere on where and start trying to take over the world as well so not only have you had to do everything else while fight while at war with everyone but then you've got this other army turning up to just to try and make life difficult for you and i was thinking well if that was actually going to happen what would, what would it be like and then i realized i started half half asked and half and really half-hearted about it doing an idea but then i was like there's no way that i could ever write any of this because one i don't know enough about history to make any sense out of it uh two any nation that i included in it other than the english would be incredibly stereotypical and likely to offend just about everyone on the planet unintentionally <laughs> so i was like nope that idea can't go anywhere however if it was fantasy you know so you had elves and humans against an, against a dark army that would work <laughs> uh, so then i let it develop and i planned this, this series and there's a few other follow-ups in the pipeline as well um we'll hopefully get to see the light of day in the future yeah all just from being a nerd and playing video games something's wrong with that Are you still having trouble there, Lisa? <laughs> um, just the video. Yeah, I'm just I'm here <laughs> talking. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how long have you been writing then? Uh, you can give us since... the you can give us the unofficial and the official if you wish. <laughs> <laughs> the officially um, writing since. 2004 and then I had to get the first book republished because the credit crunch at the top that happened um, shortly after that doomed the publishing company that I was initially using and the people that decided to buy the manuscript then denied all knowledge of having it so it was like well, right if I'm not going to get paid from or recognized for my work from there i'm gonna redo it so i've got brand new cover designs done mm -hmm. proofread everything everything is a fresh time to make sure that things were correct and nothing had been changed in the um text field and got it reissued four years ago for my 30th birthday wow Officially, this this series has been running for about four years, um, but unofficially, I've been writing for about sixteen. Oh wow! That's... Actually, no, oh. yeah, sixteen years. That's quite some time. Have you always wanted to be a writer? 
since I was very young, um, initially it was the whole idea of being like an accountant or um, something, something, but that was more about just having having enough money to treat myself to all the things that I wanted. We can only take you so far. Uh, especially when you don't have any control over what happens. So then I then I figured what I'd actually like is to be recognised for an achievement. And because I was very imaginative and creative, it was like, oh, well, writing is really good. And I've got stacks of books. With books. There was somewhere I would just see the name of an author, particularly um, R.A. Salvatore or Stephen King, and just go, yeah, I want to have those books. I don't care what the subject is. Uh, I'm not even going to read the back of it. It was written by them. I know that they're good. I like reading their stuff. I'm going to read it. The same, I'm sure there's people that have the same thing with authors or different um, actors. If they see them in a movie, they're going to movie. They'll go, yeah, that that's got them in. They're a really good actor. It's worth at least one viewing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and I see things that have come out, and I'm like, if that if I could see my stuff up on the screen, that would just be the most amazing thing ever. I don't have enough acting ability to actually be on the big screen myself, um, and possibly as a zombie where I can just walk around very slowly, wait for caffeine to kick in. <laughs> you mean you'd be the zombie at the beginning that gets their head lobbed off and that's it, that's all your screen time. <laughs> One minute. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but I... I but then I'd also be the one that forgets to stop breathing, so they just still see the chest going in and out, and they're like, for God's sake, you had one, you had one job to do, just sit still. <laughs> like I used to joke, uh, the first Resident Evil movie, um, when, they be, when the horde of zombies come into the basement, and there's one of them that gets killed by... Milo Jovovich just crushing her, crushing their head between her fives, and I'm there, and I was thinking, if you were the guy that was asked to be that zombie, how many times would you try and mess with that take so they have to do it again and again? And again? <laughs> oh, he's, oh, he's he stumbled again. <laughs> just trip over people at random moments and go, ah, oh, we're gonna have to do that scene again. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, ah. Uh, or anyone that has to has, has to wrestle with Scarlett Johansson or the, the okay, um, let's move on. Um, what advice <laughs> would you give a new writer okay. or someone who's just starting out? It's a long road. There is a lot. There is going to be a lot of disappointment along it. But if it's something that you're passionate about, then you have to stick with it recognition won't it, it isn't something where you can get immediate gratification um on a wide scale there are certain moments like the first time you see the finished finished work like the first time you see the cover art mm. done for your book and then you get the, the paperback versions delivered to your house delivered and you get to unwrap them it's like this is actually mine it might i my name is on it i've done this and that is an, an amazing thing but you won't get you won't be an award-winning author overnight. You won't be able to make it your full-time profession overnight. It will take a lot of time and effort. So you have you have to be willing to stick with it. Mm. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it it's not for the faint-hearted. It's not for those who haven't got the staying power with it, but for those that are, that, are, that want to see it happen and are willing to let it take as long as it takes and not force it. They can just enjoy the ride. They can enjoy the creative process, and it, it's as, as rewarding as it's as it can possibly be. At yeah. all times, it's just not going to be as widely rewarding as some people might first think it will be. That's fair enough. Yeah, uh, I, I think we've heard that quite a fair amount by other content creators before. Actually, is yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure like a lot of streamers um, <laughs> have seen seen the, the big names streaming games good, either playing well or playing badly. They've seen and they've all gone. Oh, I I can do that. I like playing games. All I have to do is just turn a webcam on, and it's not true. Well, <clears throat> it is. It's kind of all they need to do, but they need to have a lot more than that. That isn't <clears throat> immediately until you try and do it for yourself and then you realize just how much work is involved how much effort you have to put into it and you can have your dreams of yeah i'm a great gamer people will love to watch me and they'll watch and you might get three people you're not going to get the millions of subscribers that you expect to get but just because you think you deserve them it's something you're going to have to work at yeah yeah So, how, uh, Ben, how do you handle writer's block? Uh, partially by having other um, projects that I can switch to. There was a stage during the second book where I was really struggling to get two scenes to come together. Um, but I had other ideas for other projects I wanted to try. So I'd switch. If one was just... Like, like actually bashing my head against a brick wall I would switch to a different project and let that one take over for a temp little period and then once you start getting ideas you can then try and push through the barrier and go back to the main project again and once you get over the hurdle yeah, it's clean, clean, plain sailing again okay. it's just again no, carry on. Uh, some people will just bash away at it and force their way up through the wall and others you find a way around it instead. Yeah. What in your opinion are the most important elements of good writing? Having a clear plan set out. It doesn't like doesn't have you don't have to have everything down to the minutest detail clear in your head but you have to have the structure set out you have to know how it's going to start where it's going to get to the ending doesn't have to be set in stone it can change but you have to have at least the foundation clear in your head or the skeleton of it and then after that you can build it up and let it develop a little bit more naturally as you write you might start with certain characters be behaving a certain way, and then partway through think, actually, no, I don't know. They're kind of warm, like a character that you want, you don't like, that you you'd be quite happy to kill off, and then after a little while, as you start to write that character in, you think more and more about them, and then suddenly you don't want to kill them off. You think, actually, no, they can be redeemed. 
You're not going to be the person, the person that people want to kill. That kill. I'm not going to create a Karen or anything like that. Oh God. <laughs> you let you let you let the Karen change Karen change her name. She 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 can become a Susan instead or something. Uh, there was one character that when I was writing the first book, he was heavily going to be this arrogant, spoiled little brat. Thought he knew everything. Um, came from a what he thought was a more advanced culture. So all the barbarians are just peasants. They peasants. They're in. They're dumb. They're dumb. They don't know what they're doing. And it turned oh. and then he proceeds to find out the hard way and an enjoyable way that he's completely wrong and acting like a spoiled brat is just going to get you punched. But then, I instead I let him have an epiphany that he was on rather thin ice and make him actually try and contribute. And it turns out that when, that when he does, he's actually quite fun to deal with. So now he's no longer going to be the punching bag. He's going like he's starting to mature quite nicely. <laughs> I think we all know someone that's like that in real life. To be honest, this is there's a lot of. Like uh, there is the the old good jokes that used to be running around, and I'm sure they they still do. Which is um, don't piss off a writer because they will kill you in the next book. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, a lot of people do say, do then ask like, oh, have you ever? Is, is there any character that you've based on people you know? And it's like, hmm, do I really want to give you the answer to that? <laughs> so since that's come up, is there any character based on people you know? Well. <laughs> well, <laughs> this spoilt, arrogant brat uh, was actually based on my twin brother, <laughs> so, um, and I never told him, and um, I hope, and hopefully he'll never realise. Uh, we get on a lot better now, um, that we don't speak um, to, <laughs> to each other. <laughs> but yeah, growing up, um, as any twins out there will appreciate. Generally, if you go to the same school, the same classes, you have the same tests, the same activities at all, and that you are always going to be compared, and it is always a competition. Mm. And if you're the one that do, that does manage to win, even win if it's a race by a second, or um, if or, or you get one extra mark on a test, it, test you're like, yeah, that's it, I'm better, and. Um, that was my brother growing up. He, uh, he, he was even really bad at being a backseat gamer. So if he was playing, no one, no one in the room was allowed to speak. Not even if it wasn't game related, but certainly not to try and tell him what to do in the game. But if he was watching you play, whatever you did, it'd be, you'd hear in the background, oh, I'd have gone over there. Oh, I'd have done that. There was a brilliant argument we had. This is how long ago it was. Back during the classic days of World of Warcraft. So way, way, way back in the past. Where he said, said World of Warcraft is stupid. Because all you do is spend quests killing. Go to this place. Kill X amount of things. Collect Y amount of skins. And he was like, okay, so what are you playing? And playing... Playing and what playing? What are you doing in that one? And he was playing the Lord of the Rings equivalent, having to, and he was having to kill ten bears and collect four wolf pets. I was like, oh yeah, that's totally different. So, so yeah, but this, but this one's got hobbits in it. So 
Like, oh yeah, if that makes all the difference. <laughs> <laughs> so we made a hobbit. <laughs> <And> that is. <laughs> uh, I think I think his most fun that he had in that was doing a late night session and finding that someone had played a bard and they'd found out how to do custom music. So this person was just sitting as a hobbit around a campfire playing the um, Star Wars theme tune. You can't say the Star Wars theme tune because there's so many. (laughs) Are we talking Uh, full-on opening sequence or are we talking Imperial March? (laughs) Imperial Imperial March. (laughs) Okay, because that's not the Star Wars theme tune, darling. (laughs) All you have is is the peace and quiet and it just suddenly just just this little person on his trumpet just going dun, 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 dun. (laughs) I'm back. (laughs) <laughs> welcome back. So, um, <laughs> right. Sorry, uh, what comes first, the plot or the characters? Half and half. I've got within this one the plot stuff. In my main series, that I've the one that's actually been published, I had the plot first, and then the characters came after. Um, but there's a couple of projects that I'm working on where it, the characters were there first, and it was and then it was think was thinking about what would happen to the to the characters. Uh, so I've got one that's like a bounty hunter having to chase down an assassin, uh, and another one which is a a, a knight that's betrayed and. As much as he hates it, he's now stuck in the middle of a territory war. He doesn't care about it, he doesn't want to be there, but he's just stuck in the middle going, oh great. (laughs) One of those where it never rains but it pours, but you can have a lot of fun fun writing the character and what he has to put up with. There's a very much a tongue-in-cheek, what else could go wrong today kind of thing. How do you develop the your plot or characters? Uh, the characters develop by by thinking about what that how each one would react um, to, to the situations, and then having as long as you can remember what they've done, they'll keep progressing. Um, so I, I do have to now start keeping a lot more notes than I did when I was first starting it because so much has changed. Mm-hmm. The plot uh, was more always there. It's just sort of developed as the certain characters have changed and matured. Changed. They've matured. Um, their outlooks have, cha- have changed. Their biases have changed slightly through events. So the ending is starting to shift ever so slightly. But when I started, I had the clear idea about where I wanted things to go. So the plot hasn't has been a bit more rigid. Yeah. So, um, how do you come up with the name of your titles? Uh, the first book is called Desperate Times, and that was just basically from the whole idea. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And 
and what they ha- mm. the heroes are having to agree to in the first one is a desperate plan to deal with an extreme threat. So it seemed really appropriate. And then the rest of the ones in the series have been more about what the main focus is within that book. So second one is called Outbreak because it's when things really start to kick off. When the, so it's the it's the outbreak of war and the upcoming title is going to be Heeding the Call, which is where those that are currently oblivious to the threat are having to realise that they're in danger, that they are going to have to do something. So will they respond and heed the call, or will they try and continue pretending that nothing's wrong, everything is fine? Okay, that's interesting. Um, so you've just mentioned that there's a third book in in the making, in the process. Yes. Um, how's that coming along? Uh, um, where have you been drawing the inspiration from for that one? It is almost at the end of part two of three. I've been making sure all books, all of the books have three parts, um, just to make it as easy for myself to gauge the progress as possible and not have it too too drawn out, but also not too short. So I like each part to get to a certain level level of progression through what's going to have to be done. And then it can move on. Okay. So, um, just because otherwise I'd have some books that are quite short, where not where either a lot happens in a very short space of time, and time, and then I have to stop the book. But nothing, despite all the things happening, not much progression has been made, or it would be really long with not much happening, but determined to make sure they get to their destination. In which case, an editor would have an absolute nightmare having to read through it all. <laughs> or every single book would be the same size as the final one in the Harry Potter series and oh you'd have to have a bookshelf dedicated just to that that, and then make sure that it's the bottom shelf so that it's sturdy enough to hold up under the weight <laughs> uh, so what time of day do you usually write? do you have a specific time? I don't um, have it with work taking up far more of my time than I'd ever like it to. Uh, I try and do the writing in the evening, so when I've got home, had had di- had dinner, had time to mentally detox and unwind, and then have as few berries as possible. And then if I get a day off, I get off. The whole day is my own, and I can as and when the mood, mood and inspiration takes me, I can make, make progress. Mm. I'm, I'm, a lot, I'm a, very much a night owl who doesn't, so I don't like being awake in the morning, <laughs> if I can help it. <laughs> um, and do you usually write every day, or is it just a few days a week? Uh, I, I like to intend to write every day, uh, but it does. It does depend on whether I've got the focus and and available time to do it. So, some day some days are better than others. If I've had a particularly stressful day at work, obviously it's going to take a lot more time to find the focus. So 
by which time it tends to then be a bit too late to commit much time to writing so i'll maybe get a few sentences done if any and other times it's times i can write a few pages in a very short space of time because focus is there the energy's there that's there and i can just go in an ideal world, I'd well, I could do this full time, and then it would be a case of I can actually set set times, set times. There wouldn't be as many barriers to the focus and energy. But days off, at, days off at the minute are the only times where I can, I am free to do that. So I get two days a week where I'm free enough to not be pressured, and then any other days I see as a bit of a bonus. Okay, and that kind of covered question 11, so we're going to just hop on to 12, which is what is the most difficult part about writing for you? Uh, I'm going to have to go back to uh, find, finding the time and energy. Just know, when, when, when you know what, you, know what you're going to, going to be doing, it's easy enough, easy enough to do in that sense, but finding the actual energy to make all the, all of your ideas materialize come together and not have distractions or just simple pressure pressures that are blocking the process um that's more, that's the biggest challenge because i know there are loads of writers successful and um fa failed um that will have maybe a few really good ideas and then a lot of abandoned ideas so the imagination is never an issue the same is true i'm sure for most content creators in, in general um in general there's a lot of ideas that they've got all buzzing around it's finding the focus and the energy to get progress done that's the issue and the more barriers that you have to dealing with that that's that makes it tougher and tougher so if you have a full-time job if you've got then got a family and kids that you have to deal with as well it all adds up into time that you can't spend focusing on that because you've got so many distractions and other, other priorities that you need to make sure are done before you're free to do what you'd like to do mm. so um what would you say is your most interesting writing quirk? Sorry, my words didn't want to come out there. <laughs> hmm. I'm trying to think if I, I'm trying to think if I actually have any writing, any quirks. Um, I think most of the problems with quirks are that you don't set, tend to notice them. It's everyone else that spots them. Hmm. And since I tend to write when no one else can see, no one see. There's no one to spy on me and see my quirks. Um, I guess I have, there have been a fair few times I've caught myself doing vo doing the voices, even though those that know me will know that I'm really bad at voices. So God knows what I sound like when I'm actually trying to do them. Uh, case in point, uh, don't you dare do One side character that I I introduced in book two. Um, and it's going to be part of a standalone novella at a later date. Something that's happening alongside the series, but because it doesn't feature the main characters, isn't going to be 
included in the main series itself um, is a shadow gargoyle but I decided because he has to be big and menacing the best accent for that is one of those is a really deep Scottish accent the stereotypical Highlander um, one would probably be the best way of describing it because I was listening to people doing it and you can say anything you like in that accent and it automatically sounds either threatening or uh, as a really supportive father figure kind of thing right. no matter what you say you can say and the one of the things i heard that someone said uh, i'm sorry for anyone that doesn't like bad language there was someone that was um kicking malvin off uh, and <laughs> this person decided that the character was going to lean in and say say with a deep scottish accent drown the wanker we'll make it look like an accident <laughs> i've got a question on my side from <laughs> from a viewer um <laughs> they've just joined us um what books are you reading at the moment uh, sadly, I don't have much time to do reading, so I have now got rather heavily into audiobooks. Uh, I've li I've just finished the second one in a series by Drew Hayes called Spell, Swords and Sorcery, um, which focuses on a sort of D&D-style role-playing board game. But um, it fo it, this goes from the side of the NPC characters within the game itself. Um, the series starts with uh, a group of adventurers playing a realistic mod. Um, well, they've, they've journeyed through a, through a forest and eaten some mushrooms while on their way, and then they've stopped by, to, by a, the stereotypical tavern, uh, sat down, ordered their tankards of ale and mead, and it turns out that if the mushrooms are fine by themselves, but if you have alcohol with them, you it becomes terribly poisonous and you throw your guts up and die <laughs> and the dungeon master just delivers it in a calm dead pan yep your your entire things are all dead right throw those characters away make some new ones and we'll start again <laughs> and then it cuts back to the tavern where all the patrons are sitting inside just looking at this group of adventurers who are just keeled over and they all just look over and just go how the fuck did that happen <laughs> and then and <laughs> then it progresses from the, those characters having to then become the adventurers. And it's a really good and really funny tongue-in-cheek book, book series that I've enjoyed immensely. Um, I'm now listening to a new one that's just started. I mainly go for, go for other fantasy or science, science fiction books, but ones that are from totally different areas that I would never consider doing. So mostly lit the role playing ones like like the Dungeons and Dragons one is a really good one. Just because it I don't quite know how people can find those ideas in the heads of well what what would happen to this character that no one would ever notice in the game? It's just a really brilliant take on something that if you don't think about it, would it would just or don't would just don't even consider as an option. It, it would never matter, but as soon as you realise it, actually it is an option. There's so much where you go, shit, I never thought of that. This <laughs> <laughs> um, is really good to see alternative ideas. Yeah. Um, do you hear from your readers much, or um, what do they say? 
I've, I've, I sadly don't, don't hear from them, but if any any of them are listening, they can feel free to contact me at any time. Uh, although I, I did have one person post, post me a picture of them enjoying my first book while on holiday. Cool. Which was really good. Um, I was like, ooh. Nice, nice, nice to see, see, see them enjoying it by the sun. A bit, nice bit of poolside reading. Yeah, it's, I, I don't hear, hear enough from fans. Uh, so, say if any, if any listening, feel free to get in touch. Opinions are always valued. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my viewer says that's cool. I have a friend that plays D and D, so I'll share this with him. Oh, thank yeah. you for that um, host imbalance receipt. Um, so she'll share that with him, but she's also mentioned that he also takes mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> um, as, long, as long as they're safe with alcohol, then that's fine. Um, and tell them to avoid, if they aren't good with alcohol, tell them to avoid fantasy taverns if they have half orcs in them. Uh, if, if you want more information, the book series in question is, act, is called... The first book is called NPCs, and the author is a guy called Drew Hayes. So it's a really funny series, I'm sure. And if he's into that, I'm sure he's going to enjoy it immensely. Yeah, um, feel free to join the um, Bish Discord. Um, we will ask them to post links in the resource and materials for you to find at a later date. So let's take this back to you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> How do you research for your books? As and when I need a particular thing querying, I will, I will either find um, the, the book books within libraries or online. Um, Wait, libraries still exist? Last... They do. Um, although even <laughs> even I think the day they're built, they're covered with a thick layer of ivy just to make them look older than they are. <laughs> um, so they they all look as though they've never been visited. Ah, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I got confused when you said library because I'm so for me I'm in that digital age now. So Kindles, <laughs> Audibles, you know, I, who, who goes to a library anymore? <laughs> People that still like the smell of untouched books because they've not been touched, touched for many many years. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah. It's so, all quite fun because there is always that one person in there who looks up with a genuine look of surprise that someone else has discovered that the building was open. <laughs> 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 so you just research as and when you need it, then. Yeah, um, I mean, if I if if I was more studious, because um, like the hi historical fictions are generally generally written by people who not only have an interest in history and the what-ifs mm. but that will have studied that period um, at university or afterwards or afterwards they've discovered their passion and they've, they've researched it further so they tend to know all the things that have happened in that whereas I know bits and pieces and so it's more of a case of if I've got a particular idea in mind I'll try and find out as much as I can about that specific thing because with with fantasy there's not so much that you can find um, historical records of but you can find out things like what 
what pound poundage the draw rate of a longbow would be if be and if someone is into archery they will then know also how how big it would have to be for a certain height of person how what would be the best materials to use for it uh what the range would be if it would be be of be of those bows and so if it's someone that's studied studied the topic you can then find sources for that particular thing but you can't no point in learning about more things if they don't directly apply to it whereas as I say, if someone was doing a historical fiction, so it was set in real places, they'd then need to know the geography of the place, they'd need to know the politics at the time, and a lot of extra information, so they would need to be really knowledgeable on it. Whereas if it's a fantasy, you can pick and choose a, with a lot more freedom. Of freedom. So you just need to know enough to make sure that what you're writing makes sense. It doesn't have to be historically accurate, it just has to be accurate enough that it's not going to ruin the fantasy for any readers right yeah like no one's go no one's going to believe that someone threw a javelin a hundred miles so <laughs> you can exaggerate as much as you want with it but you're never going to be able to make that believable haven't got our stream open so what we're gonna do is we're gonna just do our oh we're back we're back okay. okay so you going back